Another college football Saturday is in the books, and we're sprinkling in our reactions. This is the Sunday Shake. It is not the Sunday Shake this week. Two weeks in a row. It is the Monday Shake with a U. Luke Ned Carney, Alex Thompson here with you. To recap the college football weekend that was, and really, Monday is included in that today's date. Halloween, October 31st. Happy trick-or-treating. Some of y'all with kids I know did that over the weekend, but today is the actual All Hallows Eve, so happy to all who celebrate. I, I went as a happy Washington football fan uh, for, for Halloween today. Alex dressed as the Great Pumpkin, as he always does, wearing that Tennessee orange. Um, yep. and he's, he's flying high right now. Big beat down of Kentucky. Actually, in the in the dark mode Halloween, thank you. It's a black shirt with orange on it. To, ah, apologies to honor the occasion that was the uh, horror movie that that we're calling the Nightmare in Neyland over the weekend. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling the spirit since that game. <laughs> anyway, ha- happy Halloween to all those who celebrate. It's my girlfriend's favorite holiday. She went to work dressed as Ted Lasso today, so that that was pretty cool. And Solid. and we're topping it off. Monday night football tonight is the black and orange Bengals versus the brown and orange Cleveland Browns. So like, I, I feel like ESPN did that on purpose. Maybe, maybe <laughs> could be a scary game. <laughs> I, I, I hope it's at least good, man. Yeah. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. That'll kick off as of this recording. That kicks off a little over three hours from now. We're coming on a Monday afternoon. Um, Washington beating the Colts yesterday. But the first thing we'll tackle here on the Monday shake as the dust has settled from another college football weekend is off the field um, and on-field performance, of course, having a big, big part in this. But Auburn, earlier this afternoon, parting ways, I should say, uh, really just firing head coach Brian Harson. It kind of annoys me when the media does the whole, like, they mutually parted ways, yada, 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 legalese. They fired Brian Harson. He was never a good fit. And I, I actually just saw an Auburn fan uh, who's a friend of mine earlier today, uh, just after this news broke, and that person was just over the moon. Like, he was calling for Harson's head during the Georgia game. And I was like, I texted him when the news came down. I was like, hey, you finally got your wish. You know, it felt kind of like the Joe Moorhead hire at Arkansas to me. It was just, you know, square peg, round hole. Just kind of trying to force uh, uh, a hot name into a place that just didn't match. I felt like Auburn wanted the success of Boise State, but didn't want to have to wait for Brian Harson to do it. Um, and, you know, just among other things, the entire athletic department there has been horrible. Obviously, the... That this came almost simultaneously with the finalization of the Mississippi State athletic director taking the Auburn athletic director job, um, which was pretty much what everyone had said all along was the not not the log jam. It was just kind of the we're not firing Harson until we have a new athletic director. So they hired a new athletic director like hours later. Brian Harson is fired. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, is Auburn going to go after a big name? Because Mike Leach was certainly a big name, uh, and that's who Mississippi State landed a few years ago. Um, A name I've heard, and I don't know how realistic this is, but I know a name I've heard that Auburn fans want is none other than Coach Prime himself, Deion Sanders, who I I think reportedly said he would quote-unquote listen if he was was given an offer. Yeah, I mean, he 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 said, and I, I think it's good coach speak. He said I would be dumb not to hear him out. Just, I mean, it's a it's a relationships business, and you know, it, he he can sit all on that side of it and say this is a, a a relationship that I'm just you know not looking to tear down. You know, kind of from the area in the southeast, I'm honoring the call. I don't know if he would take the Auburn job. Um, it, that would be a really, really, really quick jump um, to a extremely difficult place to win 
very fast. And I, Maybe Prime's coaching career couldn't be torpedoed that fast, but it would certainly put a you know kind of a, a question mark on his resume going forward. The name that I've heard, and I think that maybe is a little bit more realistic, uh, is Lane Kiffin. Um, I think that's a, a good spot. I think he's really tired of Ole Miss. The uh, the NIL allowance at Auburn is going to be much higher. They've said that they're committing you know thirteen million dollars a year to the NIL. Um, you know, budget, so to speak, and just not something that Ole Miss has contributed to. He has asked on numerous occasions for the fans to stop tailgating and go to the games. So kind of seems like Lane Kiffin's a little bit tired of that place. <laughs> Auburn needs a guy like that. Um, I think he would work wonders at Auburn. It's that They kind of like Tennessee, where even if they suck, they're still pulling in top 20 classes just because that's what they do there. All they need is a coach to unlock the potential. Hold on, time out. Walk that back one second. Did he just did you say just say that he asked Ole Miss fans to stop tailgating? While the game's going on, yes. Oh. Well, still though. I mean, still. Like I, that's like that's like trying to get sneakers O'Toole to take his sneakers off. I mean, that's what they live for down there. I mean, that that's fine. There's <laughs> might might have to live with it with another coach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I mean, I think it'd be cool if Lane Kiffin just continues his tour of the SEC. I'd be interested to see what kind of success he has at Auburn, but I I think I think the bigger factor here in who gets this job is like you alluded to with Lane Kiffin, who's ready to take a take a, a jump? Who's ready to move somewhere else? I think Auburn kind of has the the football pedigree, and they have the, do- the, the the those SEC donors that can pretty much get them whatever you know, get the money for whatever coach they want. It's just who's ready to take that job, you know, who wants it, and 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 I don't. That's a rhetorical question. I don't have the answer to that question. I, I, I have one more answer to the question, and yeah. uh, it's it's Hugh Freeze. Um, yeah, guy is is doing what everyone thought he was going to do at Liberty. Um, even from the hospital bed, he was still doing it. Um, and obviously the, the, the little bit of extra rivalry that would add to the SEC would be, uh, something that I would love to see, uh, media days would get one podium more exciting. Um, so, uh, I I would love to see coach freeze, maybe, maybe get a shot back there. Yeah, although he did just sign that long extension with Liberty, I think through twenty thirty, maybe. But but you know you know contracts not they're not worth they're, the paper they're printed on. They're paying Brian Harson like almost twenty million dollars to go away. I think they'll. <laughs> I think if they if they if they want Hugh Freeze, money's not going to be an issue here. Yeah, the other uh, piece of news before we get to uh, game recaps and game reactions, Roquan Smith, real quick, uh, just being traded from the Bears to the Ravens. Um, not we're not going to spend as much time on this as we did Harson, but it, that news, <coughs> excuse me, that news also did drop today. So uh, just the, the Bears getting a second round pick and a fifth round pick, and according to a friend of mine, Kyle Shasberger, who is the resident Bears fan at our office. Uh, he was over the moon about this because now the Bears have 13 draft picks in 2023 and the most cap space as it stands right now. So w- world of possibilities in the offseason now for for the, the Bears and for the Ravens. I mean, they're getting a really quality linebacker going from a bad team to a playoff contending team. This is kind of like a win for everybody, as I understand it. Yeah, a, a little bit of a maybe a slingshot move for Chicago. I think they realized that Roquan is not an immediate need on the team and they can use that to get a younger defensive player and start building a younger roster around Justin Fields. Um, Top tackler in the NFL, Roquan Smith. I mean, just a really, really great player. Um, This is one that I was interested to see because uh, it's been rumored that the Jags are shopping Josh Allen, uh, who's 
a very similar type of production player, a little bit more pass rush than Roquan. Roquan uh, is a little bit more of, uh, you know, uh, a two-headed monster. He can he can rush the passer and also stop the run. Josh Allen a little bit more just a, a master of the of the pass rush. But I, I was interested to see the return, and they got a second and a third round pick, I believe, if I read that right. S- second and fifth. Fifth, okay. Um, so the, really what you're looking at is a second round pick. That's a You don't see second round picks thrown around all that much anymore these days. Those are very valuable to teams. Um, I mean, that that's that's where a lot of Roquan Smiths are drafted are in that second round. So uh, good a good value for the Bears to get. And we'll see if it helps the Ravens. I don't think their defense has been particularly an issue, but they're they're making sure that it's not an issue. Yeah, I think I think Patrick Queen has left a little bit to be desired this year. Just to, I, I haven't really watched the Ravens play, but just from what I gather on social media, they're a little bit disappointed uh, in his, his output this year. Um, but you know, you know, this this just kind of solidifies what we knew about the Bears. They're not focusing on this season. You know, they're they they're their focus from the very beginning of 2022 has been 2023 and beyond. So this just kind of continues that with the Bears. But uh, you're following the Monday Shake, normally the Sunday Shake. Brought to you by The Right Hash. If you're listening for the first time, this is our college football weekend reaction show, but we had to get a couple of reactions to news pieces that drop here on a Monday. Um, and we're also kind of clearing the stage a little bit because there's there's a big football game this weekend. And we're going to talk about that a lot on our show later this week, which we're, we're recording on, on Wednesday night. But now to the football from this past weekend. Tennessee stomped Kentucky dark mode. That was a nice, nice big party in Knoxville, Georgia taking care of business against Florida. It looked a little bit shaky there in that second half. Uh, Georgia turned the ball over twice in a row and Florida both times converted that into points, turning a, a 28 to three game, which is a very, very bad score in the state of Georgia to a 28 to 20 game. But then, you know, then Georgia's offense kind of turned things back around, woke up, stopped turning the ball over. And uh, that 20th point was the last one Florida scored as it was 42, 20, the final I just wish I could get rid of one of those two middle twos, but you know, such is life. Would have been a good shutout game. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, but this just kind of sets up the uh, the Georgia Tennessee clash. Uh, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, uh, which you might be, the CFP rankings are going to come out later today. Uh, so keep keep an eye out for that. Um, but you know, the SEC. Ole Miss bouncing back. They, they had a tough, a tougher game than I thought they would have against Texas A&M. I remember on our show last week, I was like, Ole Miss is going to win this game big, and it only only was a three-point margin. Yeah, just a, a real uh, clash of strengths. Uh, Texas A&M strength being their defense, uh, specifically their front seven, um, even more specifically their front four. Uh, still, Zach Evans and Quinshot Judkins had a great game, but uh, just – Ole Miss's style of play is very similar to Kentucky's, and it's just not designed to score a lot of points unless the opposing team is just get making gap errors and you know alignment errors along the defensive line. If you're just if you're at least playing, you know, fundamentally sound football, and your strength is defensive line, you're gonna you're gonna be able to hang with Ole Miss. And you know, it, it was just it it just kind of felt like a strength on a strength. So. It, it wasn't going to get high scoring. I didn't feel going into it. Yeah, I, I guess I guess we don't really consider thirty-one twenty-eight, quote unquote, high scoring. Like that's average scoring. Um, yeah, but you know, Ole Miss gets the bye week going into the Bama game on November twelfth. That's been set for three thirty on CBS. Um, but 
you know, you know, but that that's that's setting up in the West. You know, that's probably going to be for the West. I think at, at this point, maybe LSU has something to say about that coming up this week. Um, I don't want to get too presumptuous, and I don't want to spoil too much about what we're going to talk about. <clears throat> excuse me, what we're going to talk about later in the week. But um, just this this was not as much of a an eventful Saturday in terms of storylines that were were going to influence what goes on in November. This was kind of a set, kind of setting the scene kind of calm before the storm and everybody really took care of business um, with, with the exception of one team that I'll mention later in a different conference, but at least in the sec things kind of went the way that they were supposed to go. I think, I mean the, the, the ranked playoff bound teams all chalked. No, no one lost. Um, we, we know Oklahoma state with a loss isn't going to make it. Yeah, that was the team um, I was talking about. <laughs> you knew Wake Forest with a loss wasn't going to make it. You, I mean, and that, those are really probably the two biggest upsets of the weekend were Oklahoma State and Wake Forest. Um, you also had Syracuse. We knew a one-loss Syracuse team wasn't going to make it. They lost to Notre Dame. Um, so not it was a, actually a fairly upset-riddled Saturday, but they were just teams that it, it, it didn't matter. What that's determining is, like, who's going to the – you know, Meineke Car Care Bowl versus the Tax Slayer Bowl type of, you know, that that's what those types of games were. There, maybe the Big 12 championship game a little bit, maybe the ACC championship game a little bit, but, I mean, not really. Yeah, I think uh, at least the, the one, like, game in the SEC I think that you could maybe call a surprise, um, and we were split on this game when we picked it on the right hash, but Missouri going into South Carolina, who had just become ranked and, and winning that game, the battle for Columbia. So Columbia-Missouri is the... I guess the superior Columbia for the time being, uh, but that that was a game you you texted me on Saturday and you were just so upset with yourself that you picked South Carolina instead of Missouri. Yeah, I, I I let my brain, I let my head influence that one. My gut just told me Missouri's defense is going to win this game, and it, and it did. Um, but I I let my gut convince me that Missouri was going to make a special teams error or two somewhere, which is how South Carolina has been getting teams, and that they just didn't. And I think I I've said it almost every time we talk about South Carolina, if you don't make special teams errors, they cannot beat you. They cannot score with you. Their offensive coordinator is fucking retarded. Um, I, it, it is that their defense is fine. Their special teams is one of the best in the nation that just nobody's paying attention to, even though it's be, it's legit Beamer ball. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I'm just, I was just so upset because my, my gut told me to take Missouri and I just, I ignored it. Yeah, Missouri outgaining South Carolina by 164 yards. That that's a, and winning the turnover battle two to zero. Missouri didn't give the ball up at all. Uh, though that's like that to me is just the two like most elementary things. Like if you outgain your opponent and don't turn the ball over, you're gonna win 98 percent of the time. Um, Missouri 24 first downs to uh to 14 for for South Carolina. Just just really like and eight of 16 on third down efficiency. Like if you can't get your defense off the field, like in a game where you're not scoring points with South, like South Carolina wasn't, I mean, that's, that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. That's, it's kind of what I was saying. Like South Carolina can't win any other way if they're not getting special teams scores or, you know, special teams putting them in their own red zone uh, that they, they flat out cannot win football games unless they're doing that. And that's what they've been doing the last three or four weeks. Um, but Missouri's defense is fantastic. Georgia saw it up close. Florida saw it up close. Tennessee hasn't seen it up close yet. I'm really interested to see what what happens there because I, that is a that is a very very quietly scary defense in Missouri. 
that they yeah. put there. Yeah, I, I mean, the Missouri should have a signature win already. I yeah. mean, they should have. Like, we've harped on this all year since it happened. Like, they should have won that Georgia game. Yeah. I mean, I they, they should have beat Florida, too. They, they should probably be. They should, should probably be third Auburn. in the SEC East. Yeah, I mean, should have beaten Auburn too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, you, know, you know that that there, there's a lot of those for old uh, Coach Drinkowitz across his career. I mean, sp- specifically, we we've experienced the drink. Um, <laughs> you know, he's had some good players, but it never really went anywhere, and that just kind of feels like what's happening at Missouri. But that defense, man, pay attention to Missouri games. They're kind of boring because they're all like seventeen to fourteen, but their defense is. Monsters. I remember when they had, um, uh, I think both of the Kansas City uh, linebackers right now, Willie Gay and, um, oh, they had another guy. But I think both of them are playing for Kansas City right now, uh, Nick Bolton. And yeah, just, just, I mean, they were both at Missouri at the same time. And now they're both and on the Missouri NFL team now. That Not really Missouri, Missouri, but, you know, Kansas City. Yeah. Um, just a, a phenomenal lineage they have of, very, very, very quiet defensive success. Yeah, and I kind of like that's I, that's always a fun thing I see in the NFL when guys who played in college close to that city end yeah. up playing for that team. Like the, the Washington has had a, an influx of Maryland players just because you know you've got guys on the scrap heap you need to pick up because of injury, and you know a Maryland guy is just working trying to trying to get on a roster, and lo and behold, you know you're you're right next to right next to Maryland, so you're like, hey, let's pick this guy up, see what he's got. Um, and I guess just a little, a little aside there that I like to see in the NFL. Uh, but one game that you, Alex, and you, the listener, may not have paid as much attention to, I'm, I'm not sure, in the American, another upset, uh, at least by rankings, UCF knocks off Cincinnati, who was number 20, 25 to 21. And it, the American is really interesting right now because you've got Tulane at 4-0 and and three teams, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston at 3-1. and And UCF and Tulane play each other in uh on on the 12th the same day all the, uh, the georgia mississippi state game is uh so that's just one, another one i wanted to mention that was not quite on my radar um but i, I shouted out Tulane in the last the last show so i just I, i'm i'm actually becoming interested in that game just because of what i said on the previous show but Tulane ucf could could be that could determine the american cincinnati and luke fickle snapped a 38 or 39 game winning streak versus unranked opponents by wow. losing the ucf as well so uh, not something that they, you know, do commonly. Um, and that's lose to American teams. And I mean, this is the first one this year. They didn't lose one last year. Um, it, it's, it's just kind of amazing the standard they put there now where I, I didn't realize it had been that many. That's like six seasons worth of unranked opponents. Even if we're just talking, uh, the American schedule. I mean, that's what four seasons at least. Yeah. Yeah, like and and at least on the UCF side, maybe Auburn. Auburn, you might want to look at their head coach. No, I'm, I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, see, see if the Gus bus makes uh puts it in reverse. I, I stole I stole that joke from Twitter earlier. I can't take credit for it, but uh, um, just a, a UCF may have another big win. Uh, Louisville has played with their backs against the wall. You mentioned that uh, you mentioned them a couple minutes ago. Getting another win. I know there's another Satterfield from South Carolina isn't the only Satterfield whose job is in jeopardy. Uh, Scott Satterfield at Louisville has already almost been fired once. They won at Virginia to save their bacon. And uh, Satterfield still has a job. Big win over Wake Forest. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. The Cardinals are five and three overall, uh, for what it's worth. Also in the ACC, um, North Carolina pulling away from Pitt. This is a team that's really quietly do- doing a lot of good on the field. Drake May is playing as well as any quarterback in the country, in my opinion. And, and you know, UNC is 
now you know a runaway favorite to win the Coastal. Uh, they've got Virginia on Saturday in, in Charlottesville. Uh, um, but the the standings in the ACC within the final year of divisions, obviously Clemson is far ahead of everybody, but UNC is two games up in the Coastal, and they've already beaten Duke. They've already beaten Miami. So and they just you know they just beat they're un, unbeaten uh, or I should say seven and one on the season. Uh, they have one loss, but you know this is a team that nobody's really talking about. I don't think they're a playoff team unless something goes crazy, but still a team that I think deserves recognition as much as it pains me to do so. Yeah, even if they went out, I don't think they're going to be there. But I think a lot, a lot, a lot of teams are hoping that UNC does win out because that will mean they'd beat Clemson in the national title picture and uh, or um, in the ACC championship and maybe help clear up the playoff picture for the national title. Uh, to just, I, I just think everyone knows that Clemson isn't isn't a playoff team, but if they're undefeated, they're going to get included. And right. um, I, I think at this point, just as a as a, as a football watching country, we should all just be rooting for Clemson to just get a get a loss already, clear this out, so that we can you know have a little bit clearer perspective on what's going to happen with this playoff picture, and and so we can watch games that you know, with teams that we want to watch. Like I would love to see a, a a multiple SEC teams in the playoff over like a Clemson, a TCU, you know, a Michigan, like that kind of thing. I just think it's more exciting. I think it's more fun. Um, and I think these are just better football teams, and 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 that's pretty much all I have to say about that. I wasn't didn't really have much on Clemson this week because I, I don't think they played. Um, but um, no, Clemson rem- remaining in front, you know, hard to hard to lose when you don't play a game. So they're remaining in front in the Atlantic. Um, and NC State, uh, we they played on way way uh-huh. back on Thursday. Uh, they they're just squeaking past uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, the, the game, the, the late game on Thursday, just walking it back a couple of days, was was really good actually. Utah and Washington State. Uh, I, I fell asleep, so I didn't see the whole game. But uh, the Utes keeping themselves in in a uh, alive in the Pac-12. But uh, that's not the 12 conference I want to talk about right now. Real I want to talk about yeah, go that ahead. game. That game without Cam Rising as well. Yeah, so. I, and that, there was a controversy or something because like they Utah didn't say that he wasn't playing until like the yeah. game started. Yeah. Uh, what well, one of those un- did they break an unwritten rule type of things? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's only an unwritten rule if you work in media like I do, and I don't care. I don't think that the coaches or the team are under any obligation to give that information to the media until they they choose. And I, I'm I'm unique in that respect. You know, media folks will piss and moan like little babies that they don't get all the information all before the game. But uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but now now we it, it comes to the, this part in our show where I have to ask the question. What in the fuck was Oklahoma State doing? I mean, yeah. Jesus, man! Like, I, I, I get I, we I picked Kansas State to win that game, so like, it's not like I'm that surprised. But forty-eight to zero, forty-eight to zero. Yeah, I don't. I mean, <laughs> we're, like, we're at well, a loss for words. <laughs> well, what, what can you say? You go into a game down thirty-five at the half. You know, I mean, Oklahoma State was undefeated two weeks ago. And I mean, like on the outside looking into a playoff spot um, or sorry, three weeks ago um, when they lost a, a nail biter to TCU and they come, they bounced back and beat Texas. And, and you come back and do this. I mean, d- don't get me wrong. I I think Kansas State's team is is very underrated. Um, they, they have skill. They have skill guys. The, the two lane win honestly looks not as bad and not as bad and not as bad as the weeks progress. Obviously it's, it's not a, a loss that you're going to make a playoff berth with, but 
you know, as far as an overall season goes, it's not bad. And they lost to TCU, you know, to a good loss and an, you know, and okay, we'll swipe that under the rug loss. They're not bad. They're really pretty good, but I mean, 48, nothing over a top 10 team. Good. No, it just makes me wonder like what went on. Did some like, did the whole team have a stomach flu or like, was there a big fight in the Oklahoma, Oklahoma state locker room before the game or like 495. It's only in Michigan. <laughs> 409 that was after the game uh, 495 total yards of offense for Kansas State to just 217 for Oklahoma State uh three turnovers for the Pokes Kansas State time of possession 35 29 to 24 31 for Oklahoma State this was like thorough domination and just for good measure just kicking the Pokes while they're down Kansas State was three and three on fourth downs like in a 48 nothing blowout. <laughs> it's like just total statistical domination uh, for Big Tony from the longest yard, his alma mater. <laughs> but uh, you, you know, you know, somewhere Nebraska Cornhusker fans are just putting the the blindfold on a little bit tighter after watching Adrian Martinez do this. Yes, and, and this is a team that like Kansas State's a team that nobody's talking about. Like I have not heard any talk about this team from the national media and like now they're going to have to because of what this is what I called a guys what the fuck game like like you compared it to Oregon's you compared it to Oregon's game against Georgia. Yeah, I mean that that they they rustled Missouri's feathers early too. They put 40 on Missouri earlier this year which I I think that's the most anyone's put on Missouri this year. I'm checking real quick but more than Georgia put on them. Um yeah, that's the most anyone's put on Missouri all year by almost double um so that 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 offense isn't is really I mean uh yeah the offense for Kansas State is really not bad at all yeah I'm just like I'm just I'm just blown blown mind blown that I I never thought I'd see a zero next to Oklahoma State's name after 60 minutes because they just they score so much that's the big 12 game like even when you lose you lose like 66 to 30 or something 2009, the last time they were shut out. Wow, that was two years after Mike Gundy's "I'm a man" speech. That would have been when he was 42. Uh, but the, the funniest I mean, tweet. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say we're, we're talking about like last time Tennessee beat Bama range on that one. <laughs> but uh, the um, the funniest tweet I saw on Saturday in reference to that game was I think it was from the Reddit college football account. It was a, it was the picture of the score, and it was like, "Come after me! I'm a man. I'm losing by 40." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just the- like died in my chair when I saw that. The good, the good old Mike Gundy. Um, Speaking of of funny things from the weekend, just a a real quick thing that I saw today. 247 Sports still has Will Levis as their number one quarterback in the draft. um, That's funny. I'm just trying to figure that out, Luke, because I I, I look at a stat line against the 130th pass defense in the country. If your stat line is that you threw for less than 50% for 98 yards and three interceptions – in a game, um, you 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 might you might struggle in the NFL. You might, and you're you're playing against much more talented defenses. I mean, you know, most of these guys are the same guys he's going to be seeing because so many guys from SEC defenses end up on NFL rosters. But like, it's just another like it's another Not on level, Tennessee's man. team. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, out of out of the 131 teams in the country, Tennessee had the 130th best. Pass defense. That's correct. And they and Kentucky scored six whole points. Yeah, you know <laughs> Good job. You, you know Good job, guys. 
<laughs> you know when you're looking at your fantasy matchups in the parentheses that has the number like of the opposing team's matchup rating against yeah. that? Yeah. Like t- Tennessee would have been as dark of a green as there was on that for Will Levis. And <laughs> and he, he would have scored negative fantasy points. Well, that's because he's he plays for Kentucky and Kentucky sucks. And both of those guys. <laughs> that's back to the much, mines with ye. That's pretty much been my opinion of that football program all season long. <laughs> back to the coal mines. Thanks for the yeah. energy, punks. Yeah, bas- basketball school, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Checks notes. Oh, Tennessee beat Gonzaga by 18 points in the exhibition over the weekend. <laughs> well, here on the Monday Shake, we'd like to we appreciate you tuning in. Like to thank you for uh, for giving us your ears here on a, a day late, but you know this is just how how things roll on the right hash. A couple more things I wanted to bring up. First was the, the Pac-12, mostly chalk. You know, Oregon, UCLA winning their games. Uh, UCLA impressively blowing out Stanford. Uh, Oregon struggled a little bit on the road against California before pulling away. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I, I would like to see these teams play each other again. U- USC had a, a tough time with Arizona. They, they struggled stopping Arizona's offense, but, you know, scored just enough points to, to come away with the victory in Tucson. Uh, the the Pac-12 kind of remains kind of unchanged since the last time we, we talked about it. Uh, you've got Oregon undefeated at the top. USC has improved to 5-1 and one in the conference. They are playing Notre Dame still, so they, they have one extra conference game. Uh, already on the docket, UCLA and Utah tied at four and one, and Oregon State is into the rankings now at twenty fourth. Um, I don't think they're going to factor into that conference's uh, title discussion, but still, Beavers, welcome to the top twenty five. Um, but that was just kind of—I think we saw kind of what we expected to see in that conference. Yeah, and you know, just because kind of as I've been sitting here the last day or two, it's dawning on me, and I want to throw this past you. Uh, just for confirmation, um, the the ACC is the worst Power Five conference this year, correct? I would agree with that. Yes. Okay. Um, and I I, w- I would say the Big Twelve is actually probably the second best conference this year, top to bottom. Now the the Big Ten beats them with the two elite teams, but I think after that, there's nobody in that conference um, that is really is scary. So it, it's just strange to see the Big Twelve, at least in my eyes become a more quality conference top to bottom than what the big, uh, big 10 has. Yeah. Like a deeper conference as opposed to top heavy, you know, the, the right. third best team, the third best team in the big 10 is Illinois. Who's at number 14, who like you put Illinois up against a top tier sec team or a top tier, probably a top tier big 12 team. And they get the, their shit rocked. Yeah. Yeah. They get blown off the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, I so mean, that, that that's going to happen against the top two in their, in their division as well you know, in, in the Big Ten. So it's certainly going to happen against the big dogs in the SEC. Um, yeah, I, yeah a- it, it, it just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, wait, I, what I'm looking at here is – because I, I've just been sitting here trying to figure out why Ohio State still has, like, a number – like, why are they tied for second with Tennessee in the AP poll? What what have they done to deserve to be tied with Tennessee? I have, I have no idea what they have done to deserve to be tied. We have five ranked wins on the season. Yeah, and I mean Ohio State, which was actually the last thing I was going to bring up here for for my part. You know, the Ohio State probably got their best win of the season this past weekend, and it was against a floundering. I won't say floundering; that's a, maybe a too strong word, but that against a Penn State team that is showing us that it is not an elite competition. Yeah, Michigan beat them better. Um, of course, that that one was at you know the the big house, not a big, not a Beaver Stadium, but you know I. I count noon games about the same everywhere. I don't think it's too much of a home field advantage, um, a noon home game anywhere. 
but I, I just, I, I just can't quite figure it out. They, they have, I mean, if we count Notre Dame, Ohio State has two ranked wins, um, and still not a better win than what Tennessee has. So I, I just don't see how they can come out and tie Tennessee and Ohio State in the AP rankings. I, I, obviously, the ones that matter are going to come out tomorrow night, and I think it's probably uh, likely Tennessee is ranked first in, in those. Um, you know, what we had this discussion on Saturday, I think after Saturday, there's a lot more folks who are more along the side of putting Tennessee there for the resume, especially the way they beat Kentucky. Um, but we're going to have one and two in Athens this weekend. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited for that. And by the way, if you want to hear what our full thoughts on what we think the first CFP poll is going to look like, or at least what we think the top six or top eight are going to look like, go back and listen to our previous episode of The Right Hash. We were really proud of this discussion that we had. Uh, we we kind of did a lo- we did a little bit of extra planning and uh, kind of went went some extra time on it. And now we, we're really excited to see how our predictions compare to the committees. And we, if you guys want to check those out, uh, go back on our Twitter profile or our Spotify anchor, wherever you listen to The Right Hash, and give that episode a listen. It's in the first quarter, so you don't need to wade through a bunch of NFL talk to get it. We do it right at the top. And uh, we were just we were proud of that discussion. So uh, glad we uh, glad that uh, that is kind of live and on the air. Um, but I'm just really looking forward to seeing the rankings come out. Like it's it's almost like the night before a vacation, and you're like, I just want one more sleep, and then this this treasure trove of information will be in my hands. Yeah, man, it's nice to be like involved in this. Like have 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 a, have a stake in it, not just yeah. me, not not just me tuning in to watch. Kirk Herbstreit talking about Ohio State for 60 minutes, which I'm sure that's what's going to happen anyway, but at least I'll be able to look at Tennessee's logo on the screen during it. Yeah, and and in in, in the spirit of that, you know, if you are a listener and you think we are idiots and then the then the rankings come out and it turns out they look nothing like what we predicted, give it give us some crap on social media. We like the interaction. Uh, we love to discuss sports with our followers. So if if you if you uh, if you think we are the dumbest two people on the face of the earth, let, let us know, man. We, 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 we appreciate that. Hold on. There's no way we can be the dumbest people on the face of the earth unless Pittsburgh, Baylor, and Texas and him are all. <laughs> yes. There's, uh, there's no way we could be the dumbest people on earth if those three teams don't pop up there. <laughs> Battle of the process in the semis, baby. Let's let's do it. We, we, we are at very worst number two and number three dumbest people in sports. But yes, I do agree with your overall point. Um, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about this football game before our actual episode of The Right Hash coming up later this week. It will be, I think, one and two, one way or the other, between yep. the hedges on Saturday at 3.30. There's no there's no ties in the one on Tuesday. Ohio yep. State. I <laughs> love it. And uh, of course, got to shout out Michigan, too, for getting, getting the win over their rival, keeping keeping themselves in the playoff discussion for one more week. I uh, Dude, I, w- I would I'm like gonna... to see them not be in the playoff, given their showing last year, but they're going to be in the discussion. I'm going to be honest. I I think they can beat Ohio State. I also think they can beat Ohio State. Uh, I, I was not impressed. I mean, Ohio State won by 13 points, and that was largely due to one defensive player going God mode for the last 10 minutes of that game with a pick six and like a fumble, a forced fumble and a couple of sacks. Uh, he won Walter Camp Player of the Week. He fucking deserved it more than anyone I've ever seen. <laughs> if, if, that, if that guy was sick or something, Ohio State would have lost to Penn State. Yeah, definitely. That would have thrown things off even more in the Big Ten. Uh, especially in the East. I think, I think Illinois kind of has the West kind of locked up, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens when they get to Indianapolis. 
because uh, I think they're in for a rude awakening. Even though I do like Brett Bielma, I'm a fan of his, like the job that he's doing. Yeah, he, he's, I've always loved his like Beavis and Butthead style face. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, that's about everything we've got, unless you have something else here for the last last little bit of the show. That's everything I've got uh, for this episode of the Monday Shake. I don't. I'm just really interested to kind of monitor everything for this Georgia game coming up. Not to look ahead to it, but um, it's it sounds like Kirby Smart talked today. I feel like we can talk about this because he talked about it today. Um, that uh, Amarius Mims is going to be out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, he, he lineman. got rolled up on in that Florida game. We, we knew as soon as he went down, he wasn't playing yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> and then uh, Nolan Smith sounds like he will not play, which is, and a, that is a, yeah. big, that especially, is a big loss. Especially considering the Tennessee strength, that is a humongous loss if he is not able to go. Kirby saying he probably will not go. You never know how those things work out towards the end of the week. You know, if he spends all the time he can on the table, maybe he can get it going for a game like this. However, oh, th- this is what I wanted to bring up because uh, we, we were talking about this slightly. But I, I, I don't think Tennessee is out of the playoff regardless of what happens in this game. If they win, they're in. If they lose, I have so much confidence that Georgia's going to beat Bama. It would knock Bama down to 8-2. and two. Or uh, ten and two, whatever that is, the two losses, whatever it is. Tennessee's going to win out. Tennessee's going to have one loss to Georgia at worst. I still think Tennessee makes it regardless. So I'm kind of sitting here feeling like we're playing with house money. Uh, you know, as this week comes up, what we can really be pretty stress free. Georgia's the one who needs to worry about it because if I'm Georgia and I lose to Tennessee, I'm worried that Tennessee might lose to Bama on a neutral field after what happened this year. And if that happens, Georgia doesn't make the playoff because Tennessee would go and Bama would go. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I'm going to stop you there because that is discussion for the right hash uh, on Wednesday. But but a, t- a little taste right there of what yeah. you're going to be listening to on this week's show. Exactly. That's the teaser part right there. <laughs> Georgia, Tennessee, 330, Sanford Stadium. It's going to be awesome, and this show has been awesome. Thanks to Alex for joining me, taking time out of his really, really busy week this week uh, to Absolutely. talk to the football, and he'll be doing that again. We'll be doing this again later this week on our episode of The Right Hash. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Send us a message on e- over email or on social media if you'd like to hear us talk about something. Yeah, we got plenty of uh, plenty of interesting football storylines. But for now, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of The Monday Shake, getting you squared away from a – previous weekend of college football and getting you set for what is going to be a really, really fun Saturday coming up on November 5th. Thanks once again for listening, and we will talk to you next time from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. From the right hash, this has been the Sunday Shake. Join us next week for more college football reactions.